All Year I Dream About Gaming Conventions. Welcome everyone to All Year I Dream About Gaming Conventions, the podcast you didn't know you needed about Gen Con, Origins Game Fair, PAX Unplugged, and beyond. I'm your host, Quarex. And I'm your other host, Ben. Welcome back, dreamers. We are in episode number 21, and we're going to talk about one of the most interesting things in my mind coming out of Gen Con 2023, which was the Lorcana lawsuit. <laughs> but first, Quarex. Hi. Quarex. Hello. Quarex. Hey. The official merch partner of Gen Con just dropped new merchandise for your holidays. I did see that. I'm I'm a fan. Tell me, what what are you getting your co-host? Figured I would just order one of each and let you deal with the repercussions of that decision. Figure out how to get stuff it back into my suitcase. I am a longtime lover of kobolds. I used to have a car that had a bumper sticker that read that I break for kobolds. Nice. Uh, there is a there's a mug with a bunch of kobolds having a snowball fight that that really caught my eye. That explains because you uh, you mentioned that one in particular, and I was like, "You got a cobalt thing? You do. You actually do have a cobalt thing. That's good." So, what caught your eye? You accused me accurately of being a Jello mold guy because I literally <laughs> already have the Gen Con Jello mold shirt. It's just gelatinous cubes or anything even remotely like them. Yeah, I'm I'm down. I'm not really an ugly sweater guy. Not that I have anything against them, but I feel like I wear ugly clothes all the time, so I don't make a special like attempt to draw attention to myself with them. For me, another thing that was kind of cool, and this was something, my favorite thing out of any any uh, VIG bag I've gotten, was the, the gelatinous cube throw blanket, and those are back in the store as well, which is which is pretty cool. My kiddo thinks the, not this throw, but I'm sure it's the same material, the one with all the geometric solid shapes all over it. It's like his favorite, and he sleeps with it. So, yeah, these are these are good throw blankets for sure. For those who celebrate, it looks like John Khan has finally moved into the stocking arena. So you can stick your foot in it, you can hang it over fireplace, you can, you can do whatever you want, but... That is a good point that I could buy two and actually wear them with my, like, light-up shoes at Gen Con next year. I'm sure they'd fit fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that Gen Con has had socks before. I just threw away a pair of Gen Con socks that had a hole in them, but I think those were from the, not roller crit days, I think they were from the off-world designs days. So this might be the first foot-based design. <laughs> Let's get into this. We're going to talk about Lorcan and specifically the lawsuit between Upper Deck Games and Ravensburger Games about this. To give you an idea, Ravensburger Games created a collectible card game, a CCG, using Disney licensed properties. Those who recall our actual Gen Con episodes, we may have referred to it as Disney the Gathering. But much like other things, such as Kingdom Hearts, people go crazy for this sort of thing. And there were disputes about the events at Gen Con 2023, months before Gen Con occurred. There were special rules about it, whether it was the number of events you could sign up for, the number of how lines worked for their particular booth. And seemingly, months after release, smashing success. Uh, I was at PAX Unplugged last weekend, and it was still going strong. So to set the stage, two months before Gen Con 2023, Upper Deck sued Lord Ravensburger lead designers Ryan Miller. In a nutshell, the lawsuit said Miller had been hired to create a game called Rush of Icker for Upper Deck. He spent time developing it before leaving. 
Upper Deck continued to develop uh, Rush Vigker and intended to patent it. And unbeknownst to Upper Deck and possibly also to uh, Ravensburger, Miller allegedly took design ideas from Russia Vicker and they found their way into Lorcana. I think there are some introductory IP questions. Before we do that, I, I do need to say this. This is a summary of the case. You should not construe this as legal advice. While I am a lawyer, this isn't primarily for information only, and you should speak with a attorney about your own particular facts and circumstances if you have IP questions. I always get this one confused, so I'm glad that we're starting with the question. Can someone copyright game mechanics? So now, uh, game mechanics are a system, and under the U.S. intellectual property laws, they are subject to a patent. Copyright law doesn't cover mechanics, so you can't copyright a mechanic. So then I do genuinely wonder, and have probably asked this in the past, why can't I just copy the player's handbook then and release it as my own thing? While the mechanics can't be copyrighted, the explanation of the game mechanics is considered to be expression under case law, under the Constitution, and that, in fact, is covered by copyright law and has copyright protection. So let's pretend that that sounds confusing, because to me, of course, it does. <laughs> what What is the difference there? Let's take, a, take an example. We've got very, very classic nowadays mechanic, the D20 mechanic. You roll 20 dice, decided to die, you add a bonus or a penalty compared to difficulty class. For that mechanic to be protected, for someone to be able to say you can't roll a D20 and add a bonus, that would have to be patented. Wizards of the Coast did not do that. TSR prior to that did not do that. No one has copied a D20 roll because it's frankly not particularly novel. But the text in a player's handbook describing how that D20 mechanic works is an expression of the mechanic. You can describe it in your own words the way that I did, but if I went over to my shelf and pulled off any one of the five players' handbooks from all the different editions, describing that word for word, that is most likely going to be a copyright violation violation because I have taken their description of how it works. But then what was the deal with the SRD and the open gaming license? Like I always assumed that just meant, you know, as long as you don't say this is Wizards of the Coast product, you can pretty much do whatever with their material. But clearly that's not the case. That's a great question. And it was some of the brouhaha. But the open gaming license basically gave you permission to use certain material that may be mechanical and isn't subject to IP protection. And also allowed you to copy the expression of some of these mechanics, which are subject to copyright protection. For any of our dreamers out there whose minds were still a little bit boggled about the difference between the two, it is particularly blurry at times as to what is expression and what is mechanic. And what the SRD and the Open Gaming License set forth was a framework that, that offered certainty. That's basically why everyone lost their minds when Wizards was like, so about that Open Gaming License, we're changing it retroactively. So let's get into the lawsuit itself. So is this about copyright or intellectual property? You're going to hate me. <laughs> Given how much we just talked about IP rights. But the Lorcana lawsuit involves very little about actual IP rights. 
in the original filing of the court, Upper Deck alleged a number of causes of action, including breach of contract, breach of fiduciary duty, fraud, unfair business practices, and about another four or five causes of action for which uh, Ryan Miller or Ravensburger had in some way uh, acted. And I should probably emphasize this here. These are allegations. Uh, Nothing we say here, even if we're suggesting that it happened, uh, nothing has been proven in a court of law. Ryan Miller, Ravensburger, Upper Deck, you guys uh, should feel better about that. I mean, I get, yeah, that's sort of what I was curious. I mean, what what are they saying? Like, what, <laughs> what, what would someone summarize this as if they were summarizing it for, say, a podcast? To go over every cause of action is very much beyond the scope of this podcast. This isn't a law podcast. That's, that's true. And we're, we're really trying to keep this no more than 25 minutes, and that involves a dragon con. But essentially, Upper Deck alleges, and again, these are allegations, uh, Ryan Miller, the designer, he used proprietary and confidential information that he'd gotten from Upper Deck to design Larkana, and this was a violation of his employment agreement as a, uh, in in this case, as a, uh, uh, not in, not a W-2 employee, but as an independent contractor. By violating this this independent contractor arrangement and using Russia Vicar material while designing the Larkana, he also violated a fiduciary duty he owed to Upper Deck not to misuse what they had been he, they'd given him in confidence. Additionally, by failing to disclose to his new employer, he I believe is a W two employee of Ravensburger, that there was game mechanics from Russia Vicar. The lawsuit alleges Miller engaged in fraudulent conduct, and Ravensburger engaged in activity in hiring Miller and using Russia Vicar material that was also unlawful. That is an imp- slightly imperfect, but sort of quick and dirty breakdown of Upper Deck's allegations. Where even are they now? Once the like sexy part where there's a lawsuit was over, I feel like we just kind of stopped hearing about it entirely. Shout out to Paul Lesko. Uh, he's a guy on Twitter or whatever expert website. <laughs> He's a lawyer. He tracks a lot of CCG and tra- trading card games, TCG lawsuits, which have popped up with surprising frequency. So check, you know, go, ch- go check him out if you're interested in getting some good information while X swirls the drain. When it comes to the civil litigation, there are three phases. There's pleadings, discovery, and trial. The pleadings are what allegations occur. You oftentimes sort of throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Um, Once you get through the pleadings process, you get into discovery, which is where most of the lawsuit is sort of figured out and documents are exchanged or reviewed. Witnesses are deposed, all sorts of fun stuff there. And if it makes it to trial, which oftentimes it doesn't, it could frankly, this could wind up settling for any number of reasons, least of which is at uh, least of which is notwithstanding Ryan Miller perhaps being in the right, it's perhaps cheaper to just settle something. Everything right now is essentially at that initial uh, pleadings level. And there's arguments about what's going on, the case being held. Right now, aside from each side kind of calling each other bald-faced liars, this is what's happening. Upper Deck may have sat on their rights and perhaps uh, should have filed for a temporary restraining order or preliminary injunction back when they first learned that Miller was working at Ravensburger on Lorcana and the Rush of Icker, as they alleged the Rush of Icker mechanics made their way into Lorcana. Because they didn't do that, dreamers, if you got, if you were happy and waited <laughs> in line and you got Lorcana at Gen Con, that's why that got released on time. Th- there was nothing to stop Ravensburger from re- releasing Lorcana on time. 
Number two, the, the lawsuit was originally filed in state court in California. It was subsequently moved to federal court, which can often slow down matters. I, Upper Deck filed the lawsuit in California. That's where the contract between Upper Deck and Miller had occurred is for him to serve as the lead designer of Russia Vicker, not as an employee, but as an independent contractor. Ravensburger has argued it's not sufficient personal jurisdiction for either Miller or Ravensburger to have to appear in a California court and that Miller would need to leave his wife and family to address the lawsuit. And instead, everything should be handled in the state of Washington, which would again sort of having to move everything to Washington means a new judge, means a new court, means new filings, uh, slows everything down there. Personal jurisdiction is an interesting thing. It's a measure of fairness and whether or not it's reasonable for an individual or a company based upon their connection and conduct in a particular jurisdiction like the state of California, whether it's fair for them to be expected to go to court in California. Oftentimes it's based upon the conduct. If I am driving in the state of California and I get into an automobile accident, it's not unreasonable even if I live on the East Coast to be expected to defend a lawsuit in the place where I caused the harm. Other times there can be uh, other conduct, and we're looking at fairness, other conduct in the state, even if part or all of Judge conduct occurs outside of the state. It could be more efficient and less unreasonable for a company to answer lawsuit in a particular state. So if I'm a California corporation, for example, people should be able to sue me in my home state regardless of where the misconduct may have occurred. I mean, I know what the word jurisdiction means, but why is personal jurisdiction important here? Ravensburger alleges that all of the conduct occurred in the state of Washington. Ravensburger, in addition to being a German company, their their U.S. subsidiary is headquartered in the state of Washington. Ryan Miller lives in Washington. Why are we ha- why do we have to go all the way down the coast to sunny San Diego? However, in subsequent pleadings, based upon some amount of limited discovery, as I understand it, that had been done, Upper Deck was able to identify that the game was originally created in the state of California. Four of the employees who created the game, in addition to Ryan Miller, actually lived and worked in California while creating the game. And Miller and other Ravensburger staff traveled regularly to California to meet with the license holder. You know, the, uh, the, the the mouse, which is a California corporation. So for all of these reasons, even though Ryan Miller may have had this regular travel to California, all of this is driving the case to stay in sunny California. Both sides have spent some money arguing over where they want to duke this out. That makes sense. I'm sure they both think that it's going to make a big difference. And I, I guess it could, but I just assume every lawsuit is going to end up settled. It's It's not unfair. Another interesting bit here, Quarks, let me tell you this. Let me pulse you to think what your opinion is on this. Ravensburger has said that they started to design the game six months before Miller started working for Ravensburger. I mean, what do you think might be the implication of that? Oh, that, you know, whatever his contributions, it wouldn't have fundamentally changed the design, I suppose. Whatever secret sauce that's in Lorcana, it was not injected by Miller, but was probably injected by someone else. And it just happened to be a coincidence that you know, this interesting mechanic, which is probably not terribly interesting, all told, but sure does get the Mickey Mouse crew excited, was already in place. That's, that's exactly right. 
But <laughs> a couple days after Gen Con, Miller gave an interview with the LA Times talking about the game. And he explained that he and the team were working on the game for six months before they had working models. It seems like it took about 12 months of design before they had a working version of this game. I am unsure why he was allowed to give this interview under the circumstances. <laughs> it may have come out in Discovery as well, but it seems like a very glaring way that this undercuts the argument that he wasn't involved in it if it took another six months. If there's an overlap of secret sauces, it seems kind of like that may be the case. Again, allegations, inferences, Ryan Miller, from everything I've heard, seems like a pretty stand-up guy, so uh, I, I am not making accusations. I am summarizing what uh, what the allegations are here. What's What happens now, though? <laughs> There will be a, a sort of back and forth with pleadings, and they'll eventually smooth out. Upper Deck will proceed into the discovery phase. Some of the accusations will basically be ruled out and unable to be proven mm. sufficiently to move into the discovery phase or just not align with law. Others will continue along, and you know there will be review of documents, interview of witnesses, et cetera, et cetera. So what, I mean, what do you think, it, uh, you know, lawyer, lawyer end goal, not legal advice, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen in the end? So you know, I, I have no inside baseball knowledge here. In fact, this is this may be about a week or two out of date because it took us a little while to record it. You know, whatever Upper Deck and Ravensburger know, they know. Uh, but honestly, here here's what happens. You you mentioned it before. You just kind of assume that everything is going to. You just kind of assume that lawsuits are going to settle. I suspect that. There's going to come a point where the cost of litigation, where spending a thousand dollars an hour for <laughs> partners in a law firm to duke it out over these things, is going to be just too rich for anybody's blood, even the mouses. Mm-hmm. Who should be noted, <laughs> Disney is not involved in this at all, other than the fact that the game uses their license. I suspect that there will be a settlement. No one's going to admit blame, but there is some exchange of money between Ravensburger and, and Upper Deck, and the Lorcana game will continue to uh, survive and thrive, and everybody will be happy mm-hmm. about it, except for when they can't get the new packs. Yeah. But that's, wh- that's where we're at. Still happening now, isn't it? Yeah. That's... <laughs> so Dreamers... Uh, well, I guess... No, like, no. Sorry. I was just going to say... I suppose on the plus side, at least it actually ended up being a big game, and it wasn't all like this huge lawsuit over something that didn't last past the release week anyway. So, uh, let me tell you, I will be very surprised to see any Lorcana cards in Card Holla, unlike some games that <laughs> release and very quickly show up in and are destroyed by in a hail of uh, round metal coins. So. So, Dreamers, that's that. Uh, hopefully not too long. Uh, hopefully informative. You know, we'll we'll keep an eye on this, and if anything merits mentioning again or we are lacking in uh, material to discuss, we may bring it back up again. In the meantime, have a great week and keep dreaming. Greetings from the end of the episode, Weary Traveler. Perhaps you would like to examine my social media wares, all gathered at linktr.ee slash dreamaboutgamingconventions. We sell everything, from Instagram to Facebook to YouTube. Soon we may have whatever tip jar the kids are using these days. 
All music for this episode was composed by Quarex. Except for Adidas, courtesy freemidi.org. All editing for this episode was by Ben.